Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Sundays. We are coming out of the third Sunday of Pentecost and moving into the fourth Sunday of Pentecost and moving with me is Mark Beresford. How are you, my friend? I'm really well. Had a great week. And you? I'm, I'm having a pretty good week for good packing and things. Um, and uh, I, I, we were just talking before we hit the record button, but I do want to make mention of the struggle that you're going through with temperatures where you oh, are. Yeah. So just so people who might be listening from overseas, I live in Queensland, which does get cold, particularly out west, where I'll be moving to in a couple of weeks. So I'll that is recap a what's fly. happening out there. It'll be a bit of a wake-up surprise for sure. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm moving on the Gold Coast where... Uh, you know, we had something like, you know, 20, 21 degrees today. Um, I think we had an overnight of six or seven degrees centigrade. Um, for you, oh, my, my friend, goodness. how did it go? We've done one morning of minus seven and one morning of minus five. <laughs> and it has been cold and difficult to get out of bed. <laughs> so Mind you, Cam Canberra, the reason Canberra gets that cold is because it it has, you know, that happens when you've got a clear night. Mm. So there's no clouds and, and the temperature really drops. But as a result, during the day, the sun's out and it's really quite nice. It can still be cold, but it's sunny. Oh, yeah. um, so it's just those couple of hours in the morning that you think, um, why am I here? On memories of walking around the lake at Gungal and with the yes. steam coming off it just before six, like six <laughs> o'clock-ish between where yeah. I'm living and Crazy Bergman cult. School. Oh. When, the, when, when the water's steaming, you yeah. know, it's it's cold day. Yeah. You know, it's a cold day. Yeah. We've well, often cracked the, cracked the ice on our dog's water so they can get <laughs> in the chook's uh, water. Yeah. Aren't you lucky we don't have milk delivery? Your milk would be frozen every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That'd Absolutely be, uh, true. be terrible. All right, so last week was the third Sunday of Pentecost, and you can listen back to that um, in the episode just before this one. You can, uh, yes. And we, um, we had actually quite a good conversation uh, last week, um, that story of Elisha receiving the mantle from Elijah, and yeah. uh, really stuck for me. The, 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 the thing that I've been walking with, the two things about Elisha, and I actually, I don't often go back and listen to our podcast but I did today I had to do a bit of driving and I listened to a little bit of it as I went and I was reminded yeah. of this and it was good because I, I have carried it with me right through from our conversation but the whole concept of at one point I said we often read the characters in the bible as a monochrome and that monochrome is these are fascinating people and they had amazing lives and did amazing things for God and that's where we're headed towards. Mm. But we talked about Elisha as a very real, very yeah. human person because Elisha was a human person. And the things that we talked about were both the humility that comes through the story and possibly even the introversion or the doubt that yes. Elisha carried as he received that mantle and then as he walked into that ministry and started to see... Uh, God working through him. One of the stories for this coming Sunday is about that. Yeah. So I won't go and do yeah. that to us yet, but it just made me ponder how important it is that we remember that when we say the characters in the Bible are just like us, it's not that they're just like us and suddenly they become something else. It's yeah. they literally are just like us and God will use us as we are to mm. do what God wants us to do in the world. And most of the things that we do are likely to be, as Elisha saw, things of a very humble, quiet, non-spectacular nature, in the sense that, I mean, Elisha performed miracles. Sure. But they were miracles that were done in someone's home or just between him and the other person. There was no big show. There was no big audience there was no, uh, you know, thunder and lightning bolts and things like there was in some of the miracles of Elijah. So that's really drummed home, that idea that it's not 
that God wants to change who I am. God wants to use me as I am and can use me just as well as somebody who might be more extroverted, someone who might be more out there, someone who might have more skills or something else in a particular area. Uh, that's really what seems to have sat and is really still simming around for me. And I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited by that. And yeah, that, yeah. And in fact, you know, as we'll talk about the, the reading from Second Kings that's going to be in the collection of readings for this coming Sunday, the, the importance of that really comes home through these stories. Mm. So, yeah, that's what's been simmering for me, my friend. What's come from last mm. Sunday and stuck to your ribs? Um, so I, I was, um, I think I'll always end up here, but I ended up, um, sitting with that wonderful Galatians 5 statement, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Yeah. And part of the reason I'm, I'm thinking about that is that I'm preaching at Mosaic Baptist Church where I'm the pastor at the moment through the book of Colossians. And um, this Sunday we're up to the, the latter part of chapter 2 where, um, where Paul actually argues that we're, we're freed from religion. Um, so all those, you know, the keeping of festivals and times, you know, he's, he's like, don't allow anyone to, um, to take your freedom by, by giving you boundaries or religious things to do. Um, and I, I think so often we, we gravitate so quickly to sin being the thing that takes our freedom from us. And um, I, I really want to say it, it, it's love that gives our freedom to us. Um, you know, as we, as we learn to love all of those around us, even those who are radically different to us, we, we actually learn to live in freedom and it is joyful and full of life. Um, but one of the things that can take away from this, which is a strange thing for a Baptist pastor to say, I suppose, is religiosity. Um, you know, this, this, um, this aspect of life that can want to put boundaries around everything, as healthy as boundaries can be and helpful, but, but they're actually so that we grow out of them, um, so that we grow bigger than them. Um, so I've been thinking about um, the things in my life that just might actually restrict my sense of call to be free in the sense of called to be like God. And actually religion is one of those things. There's, there's a limit to um, how far, you know, classic religion, institutional religion can actually take us. Um, in that passage in Colossians, it talks about the substance is Christ. These things are all an echo, so they're good, um, but the substance is Christ. And I think that's really where we find freedom. Um, so Paul here in Galatians 5 can make the statement, um, for freedom Christ has set you free. Um, this, is, this is the real deal. This is the substance of what life is, not just a reaching for it that a lot of religious practices are. And it may be bizarre for a vowed Benedictine monk to say it and for a Baptist pastor to comment on it. Yeah. But that it, it is for freedom Christ has set us free. I mean, you could contemplate that for hours oh, yes. and still not fathom <laughs> the depths of it. Yeah, but the yeah. idea that there are no limitations, which mm. doesn't mean that if a religious practice helps you, yes, by yes. all means, hold to it. Um, yeah. But it also means that for some to be able to look at someone who else is keeping a particular religious practice and say, by all means, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. to not to, to say to someone you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or that yeah, you know yeah. I think one of the things that was bandied around a little while ago was you know um, it's not religion but love or you know it's not religion mm. but relationship 
Well, the word religion um, yeah. comes from the word to ligare, which is yeah. the same word we use about ligaments. It, religion is what joins people together. So yes. there is a very positive aspect to religion. Yes. If it helps you find community where a pr particular practice or way of doing things binds you together with other people who can support you and mutually uh, support each other to yeah. grow in your you know connection with god your way towards god your working out who you are through god in the world uh, i think the problem comes when we try and say this has to be the way that we do it yeah. and uh, i guess that's one of the beautiful freedoms that i found as a monk is that while there's a particular way that works for me the joy that i have found in practicing that within the context of community with other people Mm. whereas it's not my place to say to you or anybody else, nah, it's just not working and you shouldn't do that because yeah, you know, yeah. God wouldn't want that. There's nowhere in the scripture where, any, where Paul or anybody, Jesus or anybody else says X practice is bad. But what we do see a lot is that X practice will not win you favour. Yes. If yes. X practice draws you closer to God, fantastic. But it's yeah. not necessary. God is already near to you. Draw near yeah. to God, and God will draw near to you. The fact is, God's already there, um, <laughs> and I think James knew that when he wrote that. Um, yeah. yeah. In his in his letter. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, I, li I like that, Mark. That's that's interesting. There's so there's something in me that um, I don't know. I've I've um, been involved in lots of different communities over my life religious communities and as a result been exposed to lots of lots of different practices and um i, I think it's probably part of my personality that i i think you know in the old are you benedictine or are you franciscan i think i'm a little bit more franciscan um in the sense that i um i, I i've never stuck with any of these disciplines or traditions um, exclusively I've, I've always sort of dipped into different Christian traditions and found found that really helpful and it's actually for me it's helped me hold loosely to these things um, and I you know I'm, I'm kind of thankful for that I don't actually want to be the type of person who you know I've, I've, I've got to do this at six o'clock every morning um, uh, otherwise, you know, the day is going to go bad and, and get, almost get superstitious about it. Um, I've, I've always practiced my faith, you know, probably every day. Um, and I, you know, I'm usually reading the Bible in some form, but, but I've, I've never, I, I've never stuck religiously, which is a weird word to use in this context, but I've never stuck religiously to the, to the lectionary. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've often got up and thought, I'm just going to read this today and, and read one of the uh, one of the other books that is not in the I'm not being asked to read. And I don't know if that's, you know, a bit of a rebel in me or, or what it is, but um, there's something that's kind of, you know, thankful that I, I have not simply lashed, latched on to one tradition that I feel obliged to defend or to keep as though you know the world will cave in if I don't yeah anyway I'm, I'm that's that's what I played with around the Galatians 5 ring so good and it was a great conversation last week and if you missed it do encourage you to go back and have a listen sometime when you've got a spare hour or so <laughs> <laughs> We are Look, going long. When, when, we, when we finish our conversations and then I have to text Mark about half an hour later and say, oh, I've just put this downloaded and, and it's um, an hour and a bit and we go, whoa. <laughs> but when we walk away from the conversations and they felt like they did, um, yeah, it was a yeah. good one. So we are walking away from the third Sunday of Pentecost and into yes. the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, this coming Sunday, and the readings for this coming Sunday are 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 14, Psalm 30, Galatians 6, 
Um, and then some churches will read from verse 7 to 16, but some other churches will also include verse 1. So read from verse 1 to verse 16. And then uh, from the gospel, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 11, and then 16 to 20. So that's the collection that we have to draw from today. Mm. Uh, uh, as usual, I'll defer to you, my friend, and say, is there any particular place you'd like to begin? Oh, I, I, I love this Luke reading. Okay, let's start there then. I, 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 for me, there's just so much in this, this story, this sending of the... Of the um, uh, sending out of the disciples on their on their own mission. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you'll go out, you know, like lambs among wolves. Um, this this advice to carry no purse or bag is just uh, the the implications around hospitality. Yeah. Um, and, and vulnerability um, are actually really significant for mission. I, I think you know in the in the church, we've often overplanned mission. You know, we've got to have all the money in the in the in the bag. We've got to know exactly where everything's going to be, um, and and it's actually it actually sends us into the world um, in the power position, so to speak. Um, yet, yet these guys are sent out um, in the powerless position. They're actually dependent on the hospitality and generosity of others. As they, even as they go into towns to spread the good news of, um, or, or to declare the kingdom um, through their acts of service and healing and and grace, um, I love the I love the repeated um, in the Gospel of, of Luke the repeated the kingdom of God has come near you, um, and and this is the message that not only John has declared but then Jesus has declared you know in exactly the same words and now the same message is given to the disciples in this passage as they're sent forward um, go go and declare the kingdom of God has come near um, even interestingly in this um, when people reject um, the message the disciples have um, even as they um, you know, wipe the dust off their shoes <clears throat> as, as a protest against them. Um, they're still declaring the same thing. They're still declaring that the kingdom of God has come near and those words are repeated here. Um, I, I, love the, I love the giving of blessing and if it's rejected, it'll come back, on, back to you. <laughs> so you, you, you give this blessing of peace here. And if, it, if they turn away from it, well, the, the peace that you have given will actually come back and, um, and rest upon you. Um, <clears throat> I think there's so much in this passage that really is worth just, um, just sitting with and asking, what, what are the implications for the way we move into the world as, as bearers of this kingdom of God? Yeah. I love how you brought out the no purse, no bag, no sandals. And as you said that, I wrote here in my little margin, this is non-colonial mission, non-empire yes. mission. Yes, it is. As yes. you mentioned, you know, we, when, when yeah. churches traditionally have gone on mission, they've gone, you know, is the money right and is the bag right? Have we got all our stuff and we got all the right clothing and all the rest of it? Yes, yes. Jesus sends his disciples and says, don't take money. Yeah. Don't take your stuff. Don't even go fully equipped. Take your sandals off your feet. Mm. You think about this. Yeah, this is actually tremendously empowering for those who are receiving this message. It, yeah. It's actually giving, it's creating opportunity for them to contribute to this interaction. They're not just in the position of receiving. They're actually also very clearly being invited into the position of giving. And it, it it is a deeply empowering two-way um, exchange that these disciples are invited to go into. And this it's is, courageous for them to do it. Yeah. And this is what I was going to mention, that, you know, in traditional mission, the people with the money and the bags 
and all the right clothing will go in and they'll say, here, you have yes. the stuff. Yes, yep. In this situation, no purse, no bag, no sandals. They haven't got anything to give other than the message. And not only is there an opportunity, as you rightly pointed out, of those who are receiving to be a blessing or not, but yes. to, to choose that being a blessing to others, there's also the greater sense that when these disciples go into these places, they're not going in in a position of power. They're not going into a position of prestige. They're going in as a position of of of, of lower, yes, than, or at least or at least <coughs> level to those that are there. So there's a powerful humility yes. in their going. And if you think about the way Westerners will often go into Asian countries and African countries and South American countries, and they will go in and they will go and say, here's the way to do it and here's what you need and here's what we'll give you and we've done this and they'll get their photos and don't get me started on experiences I've had leading teams as a part of a mission agency yeah. that literally treated the people like that yeah. Um, yeah, and got really upset with me and with one of the teacher in one of the schools that were part of the group that we had yeah. when we stood up and said, we will not do this. Yeah. Um, sorry, we won't be party to, to what you yeah. want to do because it's wrong. Yeah. Um, it's not only wrong, um, Mark, you know, it, it's our loss. If, 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 if the spirit of God is loose in the world and, and speaking into lives, even if they don't, you know, name it that way, um, but we've really got to take a position of humility and listening. Um, if we're to hear and learn what the spirit of God has been doing in a context or in a life, um, if we're not if we're not in a position to be listening for that, expecting there to be wisdom here that I can't see any way, any other way, um, we're actually going to miss it. The, yeah. the 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 um, the certainty that this is a one way transaction actually prevents us being open to listen to what the Spirit of God is already doing in a life or in a context. Well, I'm ashamed to say it took me a while to get there. I'm ashamed to say that it took me a while. But when I did, it changed everything. And that is to take yeah. up that posture when I yes. go into these nations. Uh, and I do work up in Thailand and Burma. I do some work in and have done some work in Tonga and I've been into India. And mm. um, particularly most of my work now is Thailand, Burma and a little bit still in Tonga. But um, when I go there, I literally succumb to the authorities that are local yeah even yep. before i leave so i'm mm. possibly going on another trip next year which would be the first one in ages because of covid yeah um and i've literally already said to the person who i connect with in thailand and burma i've said okay um what do you want me to do so i can begin to prepare to do where what do you want me to do where do you want me to go what yes. do i need what do you need yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I can I can be a part of being a blessing to you, mm. um, not saying, well, hey, well, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what you get, where you're going to take me, <laughs> and I want to be here, and I'm going to give this, and yeah. I'm going to prepare that. It just yeah. doesn't work. Um, and so even here in this, if you look really deeply into the story, you see that the other thing that stuck out for me was exactly what you pointed out too that when Jesus says. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, you go out into its street and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you, yet know this, God has rejected you and you will burn in hellfire and torment forever. It doesn't say that. <laughs> Exactly. They're exactly. told to say exactly the same thing as they said yes. to those who welcomed them. Know yes. this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The yes. message is the same mm. because God isn't in the rejection business. Yeah. God yeah. wants everyone to know that this is the good news. Yes. The good yeah. news is that God has come near to you. 
And if you look into the Greek there, it literally talks about is present with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, open your eyes to that. Whether you've come and welcomed us and fed us and we've, you know, we've blessed you and we know we've had this exchange or whether we walked into your town and you threw rocks at us and chased us away, um, the kingdom of God's come near. Yeah. Either way. Either way. Either I, way. I, I actually, I, I wonder um, if this, you know, shaking off the dust in protest. We've we've always, I, well, maybe not always, but you know, for a long time, I sort of saw this as, um, you know, a, a really condemning act. Yes. This is, this is, you know, we've done our bit. You're going to hell, type thing. Um, what if it's just a, a really powerful way of saying, actually, we've we've said what needs to be said, and it's still true. Whether we're welcome or not, the kingdom of God still has come near. And, exactly. he, and if that if that really is true, and you and you sort of walk away saying, you know, this is the last thing I'm going to declare to you: the kingdom of God is near, and and move on. Um, I, I wonder if there's a way of thinking this of this as something that's said in faith, um, like when Jesus tells a parable that people could not possibly have understood and walks away in the assumption that the spirit of God is still working, mm. um, that, that the spirit of God will help them work it out for themselves and speak into their lives. I, I think that's the only way Jesus can tell a parable and walk away the way he does. Um, and I wonder if there's something of this going on here too. Um, the last thing I'm going to say is I'm going to remind you that, that it's that, and it's the same as the first thing I said, the kingdom of God has come near you. Um, and, and, you know, maybe this conversation can't continue, but this is the last thing I'm going to declare to you. And I hope it sticks. I hope the spirit of God uses it. Um, I hope this is something that over time, at, you know, at the right moment will make sense to you. Um, so I wonder if it's actually a deeply faithful act. Um, or an act that has that contains a very deep level of trust that God is working, that the Spirit of God is working. I'm running on the fly here, so I'll, I want to the be greatest to, way to have a conversation. I want to take license to be able to go away and think about this, and maybe sure. talk back next week. I'm wondering if this wiping the dust off, you know, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off here in the middle of the street in protest against you. That's a prophetic act. And what it says, this is, this is going back to, you know, you know, was it Isaiah lying naked in the town square and yeah, yeah, someone yeah. else burning off dung and whatever else yeah, they did, yeah. right? This is a prophetic act. And I'm wondering if they're saying that, you know, even the dust of your town has clung to our feet and we have to literally wipe it off in order to try and remove it. Hmm. It won't just fall off. We have to wipe it off. So know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Even though you've told us to nick off yeah. and get out, yeah. it's still there. Yeah. You're going to literally have to physically wipe it off like we did with the dust <laughs> of the feet in order for you to get rid of the truth yeah. that the kingdom of God is here, is now, is within you, is among you. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, gee, I, I want to sit with that too. As a, as a, that's an interesting. Well, I think it, I think it has to be a prophetic act, doesn't it? It has to be an act that is speaking from the heart of God um, into the context. But it's still an invitation. At its heart, this is still an invitation. It's an invitation to embrace the fact that the kingdom of God is near. Yeah. Mm. Powerful stuff. Do you yeah. mind if we scoop back to the King story for a sec? Not at all. Because this is one we, we brushed over it last week because we talked about Elisha and what Elisha would do, knowing that this one was coming. So this is the wonderful story of the, uh, the king of Aram, uh, sorry, the commander of the army of the king of Aram, Naaman, who has Naaman. leprosy. Yeah. And he, who, <laughs> oh, no, I get there. Um, but he, uh, no, well, we had in my classes, my Christian living classes this term, yeah. in year 10, they had to look at a story where Jesus interacts with somebody and talk about the character of Jesus they see coming through the story. 
And uh, one of them was the story where Jesus healed the leper and then told yep. him to go, just go show yourself to the priest and get on with it and don't tell anybody who did this, but he goes and tells everybody. And one student told me that leper's name was Naaman. Um, <laughs> just missing that this is two different stories, but that's okay. Um, so Naaman, not uh, the leper that funny. Jesus healed, but the leper that Elisha healed, right. uh, has, has leprosy and he's a commander of the army. He's a big guy. He's a well-known guy. He's a powerful guy. He's an important guy. Uh, it goes on about how wonderful and awesome he is, but he, he suffers from leprosy. Mm. And so uh, he takes a girl captive and she's serving Naaman's wife and says to her, if only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman uh, decides to send somebody along to find him and, you know, whatever he needs, bring, you know, sends a whole bunch of stuff and all that sort of thing. Uh, but instead, all Elisha does is um, sends a message just mm. saying, can go dip in the in the river. And Naaman gets really cranky about it because he was expecting, I thought that for me, he would surely come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. <laughs> this is exactly what we were talking about, Elisha wasn't about last yeah, week yeah. he's not yeah. into the big show he's a very humble quiet reserved by as it seems guy who's not even going to go out to this guy and um one of his servants came and said if if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult would you have not done it so how much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean now, two things popped out of me about this. First of all, is that proximity is irrelevant when it comes to God being able to enact on someone's life. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the, the agent through whom God seems to be working. It's about God working. Um, now, certainly, that's not to say that as agents, we don't have a responsibility to mindfully pursue what it is that God has called us to do in the world. And that is very simply love your neighbor uh, and love God and love God by loving your neighbor. It's very simple. Mm. It's as simple as that. We'll get to that in a minute in the Galatians reading. Interesting. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, um, it, it's, it's not about Elisha. It's not about the prophet. It's about God wanting to bring this cure uh, to, to, to Naaman. And so proximity is irrelevant. Naaman doesn't quite get that, Main, possibly because he is very important and he expects that there'd be this big show and all the rest of it. Um, but as his servant points out, um, if he told you to do something difficult, you'd probably do it. Which reminded me of the way that God works is actually quite simple. And... It's probably simple because we like to make things complicated because we like to think it makes us smart. And we like to make things complicated because in our complexity, and you know, we were just talking about religion before, sometimes our religious hoops, particularly if we make other people jump through them, and particularly if we make other people jump through them when they don't even work for us, uh, quite often our religious hoops are incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, this will, you know, it's happening this week uh, in the world, but I notice that Nancy Pelosi, the American Speaker of the House, is visiting the Vatican and she received communion from the Pope. Whereas in her home country, I think there are four archbishops who have said Nancy Pelosi will not be served communion in our diocese. Wow. Uh, and I think it's over the abortion issue, but I, I could be wrong. Oh, my goodness. Now, this is not making wow. judgment about the issue, uh, and I'm not even making judgment on the archbishops. 
um, that's that's up to them to call or the Pope. That's for them mm -hmm. to call. I'm not Catholic, so that's that's for them to sure. call. Uh, I'm not even going to argue. You know, it's not a doc. I'm not arguing from doctrine here. What I'm saying is, is that we often create these structures for ourselves and think that the structures are the things that are important, that the methodology is the thing that's important, that the way I hold my hands as I wave them over the Eucharist while I'm standing at the table is important, that the way I say God when I'm reading the liturgy mm. is what's important. But the truth is, um, and I'm not taking away the fact that it might be beautiful, and then it might have meaning and then it might have symbolism and all of those things certainly does. But at the end of the day, it's not that important. Mm -hmm. What matters is love God, love your neighbor. It's simple. Yeah. And here there's this beautiful lesson in simplicity. And the servant calls it out. If the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, you'd have done it. If he'd said, go to Damascus, put on a tutu, stand on your head for four days and attempt to drink five glasses of water a day while you're standing on your head um, at all times singing Yankee Doodle Dandy or something like that, and you'll be healed, you probably would have done yeah. that. But go and wash yourself in the River Jordan. There's no big show. It's a dirty river. Um, you've got to be kidding me. No. Because it's not about the big grandiose. It, this is this is a, a God, literally, who is just as humble as the servant who's working through this God. Oh, the God that this God is working through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know that that whole proximity being relevant, but also this this utter simplicity. And I've written I, there's a hashtag that I often use on social media, and it's hashtag It's not rocket science. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of things about God that are just so simple and so yeah. true yeah. and so honest and down to earth and not as complex as we make them out to be. Mm. And yet the typical humans we are want to make it really difficult. So here's another example of that humility and simplicity, not just of Elisha, but mm. even of who God is and what God wants to do. Um, which is interesting mm -hmm. because a lot of people think of God or gods yes. as being, um, oh, look at me, let me send thunder and lightning and boom, look at this and rah, rah, rah. Yet nowhere in the scriptures do we read, look at creation and, and, and think about God destroying everything. It's look at creation and just be in awe yeah. of how beautiful it is. And how beautiful God's made it. Um, and that's not God saying that. That's the writer saying that. Look around you and see how beautiful this planet is and be in awe that through this simple act of just being, mm. beauty is visible, love is visible, God is visible. It's simple. Um, and we just like to, like you were saying before, you know, you go on a mission. You want to give a sandwich to the guy across the road. Um, depending on where you live, in some places I know in the United States, I don't know about here, but in the United States, there are places where you dare not buy pizzas and give them to homeless people because you might be arrested for feeding the isn't homeless. That, isn't that bizarre? Um, you know? Extraordinary. So, you know, there are some places mm. where you might go along and say, oh, you know, we've got to make sure we have this in place in a city ordinance and a license and all this other thing. Man, if a guy across the street needs a sandwich... I'll buy him a sandwich or I might make him one. Yeah. God, yeah. God forbid I make him a sandwich in my own kitchen. <laughs> um, you know, have I had it inspected by the city council? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, come on, man. This, this is, there's this beautiful simplicity to this. And yeah. we would gain a bucket load from it. And it's the same simplicity that we've just talked about in, in Luke's gospel. Don't yeah. take a purse, don't take your sandals, don't take a bag. Yeah. Go in, share. If they tell you to nick off, leave. Yeah. If yeah. they bless you, stay as long as you're welcome. Um, yeah. it's, it's not hard. Mm. I like that. Mark, I, want, I wanted to um, comment on the servant girl in this passage. Yeah. Um, 
I, I wonder if she represents a second prophet here. Um, in, in that she she is completely completely disempowered. I mean, every every time I read these opening verses, I, I my heart just goes out to her. She's stolen from Jerusalem, and 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 yet she is serving this family. She she I think there's there's lots of evidence that she actually cares for Naaman, um, mm. but she she speaks the heart of God into his scenario um I, I wonder if she i don't know she seems so disempowered and yet her words find their way to the king um who releases one of his you know most powerful people and and she really has she really has you know also predicted this whole story she's she's just spoken out you know you should go to israel they've got a prophet there and he will heal you which is exactly where this story goes hmm. um i i just wonder if um I, I just wonder if there's there's something of the small people in this story because the other the other potential candidates for prophets are actually the slaves that go with naaman and and as you rightly said pointed out before um, they say, look, if this was hard, would you do it? You know, this is kind of a, a pretty bold thing for them. It clearly says, I think there's a lot in this story that tells us Naaman is a very, very good slave owner. Yeah. Um, in, in, that, in that he, he, his slaves are empowered enough to challenge him um, and he is humble enough to listen to them, yeah. um, which, which I don't know that you could... Um, claim for every slave owner um, of this this time but um, but Naaman seems to be quite a remarkable person but I really think there's there's an argument that this unnamed slave girl is a real hero in this story um, everything's gone wrong yet on some level she's she is speaking the very heart of God into a scenario she has and I think it implies that she's heard the heart of God, that her Jewish roots, she, that she seems to believe that um, she is in this, in this um, scenario of life for a purpose and a reason, and she is willing to speak out um, the hope of that. It's a little bit reminiscent of Joseph. Yes, a lot reminiscent of Joseph. Um, I agree. It's almost yeah. like you have this Joseph in the back end of the story. Yes, uh, and yeah. it's a it's a girl, which I think is beautiful too. That's a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very powerful. Mm. I'm I'm drawn basically through everything we've said so far to one line <clears throat> in Galatians six from the Galatians reading, and that's verse two: "Bear one another burdens." And in this way, yeah. you will fulfill the law of Christ. <clears throat> yes. The whole lot. Um, it's pretty perfect, isn't it? Simplicity. Yeah. yeah. Not complex. Love God. Yeah. Love your neighbour. Bear one another's mm. burdens. And if, mm. and if you read the other things here, they all come back to those things, bearing one another's burdens and loving neighbour. And loving yeah. neighbour and loving self was what um, Paul talked about in the last, last week's reading. Um, he said it there again too um, but um, you know so what uh, so right and you'll reap what's good um, yeah. this, this is, is this one of those um, this is one of those really dense passages that Paul writes mm. so he seems to skip from thought to thought very very quickly and you know, if you if you're preaching on this, it, it's quite a long passage actually, um, but it is it is deeply deeply rich. There is so much here; it really deserves three or four um, sermons in itself. I, I think it's I think it's actually too long for the way Paul is speaking here. It's a bit like Philippians um, four and other places where he does exactly the same yes. thing. Just seems to yeah. jump from thought to thought in short, sharp quips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, let's see how many headlines I can fit into one tweet. 
Um, yes, yes. I do wonder. <laughs> I do wonder though, Mark, if there's um, if there's a pinnacle here, and yeah, well, I course. wonder if it is. But a new creation is everything right towards the end there. Mm. Um, yeah. This is this is this beautiful claim that God is is recreating everything God has created, and all of these commands, advice, you know, um, that are leading to love. This is actually all recreation. When we love as God has loved, um, we are involved in the recreating of the world. We're, we're involved in this direction of renewal and reconciliation that God is that, that God instigated or, or revealed in the cross, I think. Um, a new creation is everything. I, I wonder if, I, I, I almost want to say to anyone who bother listening to this, um, go away and sit with that phrase. <laughs> what if it's true? What if it's true that a new creation is everything? Um, what, what are the implications of that? And, and are you, as you read through this Galatians passage, is everything leading in the direction of this little statement? Um, all these instructions on what it looks like to be the community of God, serving one another, living for one another, giving to one another, living this life of generosity and love. What if all this is our contribution to um, this new creation that really should be capturing our imagination? And if so, we would actually live much more this way. There's this really, really long Greek word. <laughs> There's now, a few of them, actually. I'm going to say it wrong. Anakaleasasthai? Anakaleasasthai, something like that. Okay. And it's a word that scholars seem to think Paul created. <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's two words combined. Uh, one is one which means head. And the other one, which means to draw things together or to draw them beneath. Yes. It's, 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 sorry, it's not the one that Paul created. It's one that only appears a couple of times in the New Testament. It's one that was used a lot in ancient mathematics. Oh, right. When yep. you did, uh, when you added up lots of big numbers, you anacophaliasified them. You brought them all together under one head. Yes, yes. Now, what's interesting about this word is there's a number of ways in the Greek that you can understand it. And one of them is, is retelling. Mm. And so the context that Paul uses, and he says that what God is doing is he is anachephaliasestying all things. And the all there is panta in Greek, which literally means all things, so everything. Mm. And mm. anachephaliasis, which is bringing them all together under one head or retelling them. Yes. Or uh, recapitulating them. And this re word recapitulation is important because when you recapitulate a story, you actually retell the story, but you often do it in a way that draws out the best bits and slightly diminishes the bits that are bad. So it's not that you forget that the other bits are there. Mm. Um, so it's like, um, I heard someone explain it, like uh, it's when you go on a camping trip and everything goes wrong, the, the food didn't cook and the tent leaks and your torch didn't work and you've got to hike out to find a toilet and then someone gets sick and throws up all over the bed, the, the sleeping bag and, and the rain came down even harder. And then this, you know, and in the midst of it all, um, it's the worst thing ever. I'm not, you know, downplaying the fact that some of these times can be really dreary. But later on, when you're retelling the story, it's not just, you know, and John threw up in his sleeping bag. It's John brought up chunks all over this. You know, you tell the story in this way and you laugh and you get a whole different vibe from the story. When you were in it, no one was laughing. Yeah, but when yeah, you're in it, you're like, let's just get the heck out of here and go home. This is pathetic. This sucks. Why can't morning come faster? Later on, though, it's the funniest thing in the world that happened. And this is, this, this is what this retelling is about. And so when we have this story that's being retold that we hear in words like reconcile mm. and recapitulate, 
and yeah. and and restore. Um, that's exactly what God is doing. God is retelling the story of all things. Yes, yes. And God is telling, retelling that story in a way that yeah. doesn't throw away the things that were bad, but certainly diminishes them to a place where we can see their value, mm. where we can even laugh at them, and where we can see, though, the positive attributes, the powerful attributes, the joyful attributes that have come from that retelling. Mm. And so, you know, wow. um, if, if, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, well, can things get any worse? They could. Yeah, they could. Mm. Um, but there's this um, reconciliation that God is doing here. There's this... Um, drawing all things under one head, there's this retelling of this story that God what, is what doing. An extraordinary, um, what an extraordinary way for us or, or word for us to uh, uh, reimagine salvation through. What, what if salvation is this retelling of our story, not only corporately but also individually? What if, what if salvation is a retelling of Mark's story? Um, where we have highlighted and indeed carried the shame of all the things we have failed at. Um, but actually God is putting this, putting this shame back in its place and actually retelling and re-highlighting um, different aspects or new aspects of, um, of what it looks like, what our lives look like. Or, or who we are, this re this retelling. I think there's something quite powerful there, Mark. I, I I think you may have helped me like maths. <laughs> which which dare I say I uh, th this may or may not be happening because if if it is, it's um something brand new to me. <laughs> <laughs> But there's oh, something you, you almost you almost make me think. I, I almost understand, perhaps only almost, um, what mathematicians mathematicians are saying when they look at an equation that works out and and think it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah I, that's a great I've way never related to that on any level ever. Oh. Um, but but that is what you're that's what you're pushing towards with the use of that term well, in that. terms of salvation. Um, God is God is kind of making it all add up and make sense and retelling and, this story in a way where everything contributes. And wherever even Paul those wrote things, it. even those things we've got wrong, even our failures and sins, absolutely, all of these things contribute to the big summing up of um, of our lives, of our world, of our universe. And wherever Paul wrote it, which I think was the start of Ephesians, I'll have to look it up. Um, he literally says that God takes pleasure in doing this. Yes. Um, that this yes. is something that God enjoys doing, that God I finds think God delights in, in this. I think in doing God, this. This is, this is an expression of the very heart of God, not begrudged or anything like that. This is just God loving extravagantly, I think. Yeah. God do what God does. Oh. A new creation is everything. I think that's our phrase for this week. It is. It is. And it's all, again, it's through the stories. You see that coming through the message of the disciples in, in Luke. You see that coming through the healing of mm. Naaman uh, in Kings. It's incredibly um, powerful. And, and even in the psalm, there's that sense of, um, you know, what proverb is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will I tell his faithfulness? There's this sense of what I'm going through. God will allow me to find a way to retell it so that I can sing praises for what I've been through. Mm. Um, yeah. And there's a very, there's a, there's a huge honesty in this. No one should read this psalm, by the way, or any psalm for that matter. Mm. and think, oh, this is just about afterthought. This is just about hindsight. This is, if we're going to be honest, if, if we understand who God is and what God's about, 
when I'm in the midst of pain and torment and trouble and frustration and strife and tiredness and all the other things that happen to us, and some of them all at the same time, I don't deny that God's there, nor do I think God is doing them to me. I don't believe in a God who does that. Mm. Uh, mm. that that's not the God that I see in Scripture. Certainly some of the people in the Bible talk about God, un understanding God in that way. Sure. At times, yeah. they're also very quick to correct themselves or to be corrected. Sometimes not, but quite often they are. Um, but what I need to be able to do is that when I'm in the midst of all that, to hold on in some sort of hope or faith, and that when I come start to come out the other side, begin to see it with new eyes and fresh eyes, not hindsight eyes. Please don't hear me saying, oh, you know, when you look back in hindsight, course you can make up whatever you want to make it sound like you know it was okay that again this is not god making me go through this this is not god mm. giving it to me but this is me making sense of it and i'll be honest sometimes there will be some things where i cannot make any sense of it at all where it doesn't look right um even the psalmist says straight after that bit that i just read he says here oh lord and be gracious to me oh lord be my helper but then says straight after that you've turned my mourning into dancing you have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. So it's not that the pain and the torment were coming from God. It's that the transition where the person was given some sort of anacophaliasis dying of it was able to retell it in a way and to find the joy and the dancing in the midst of the pain and the torment. Again, it's not... Well, God did this to me, but it was for my good to make me a better person. I don't believe that for a minute, that God puts mm. us through pain and torment. But I do know God walks with us through pain and torment. Yes. And I know that God would want to reframe, help us to understand the pain and torment in a way that we can walk away in a positive light. Or at the very least, be able to help somebody else who might be going through that mm. at some stage later. And how many times... Mm. Have we been through things where we've met people who have gone through exactly the same thing later and we were simply maybe not even able to do much except sit there and go, I understand. Yeah, yeah. You're not alone. And for it That's to be a all I can give you. Mm. Um, mm. But you're not alone and I, I get it. Let me just yeah. sit here with you. That could make all the world to someone. And there's no way I could have done that had I not been through it myself. Yeah. Again, God didn't put me through it for that purpose. But God is going to allow God is going to allow me to see an opportunity to use that experience, mm. so that I can literally retell the experience and let it take on some sort of positive grip in my yeah. heart and in my life. Yeah, this is um, uh, this is kind of intriguing in the sense of um, as, as we think of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection here, Jesus entering into suffering. Um, not and it's and I don't think it's just uh, I, I think this is a revealing of you know that the life death and resurrection of Jesus is a revealing of the heart of God a revealing of the heart that's always been there from the beginning of creation um, so so this is not this, this is not a showing that you know once upon a time in a you know in a, a tiny little country uh, over in uh, over the other side of the world, um, God suffered. Um, it, it's actually a, a revealing of the very heart of God that is always and has always engaged with the world's sufferings, has always walked through us with mm -hmm. suffering. This is not something that, you know, we, we saw it, we glimpsed it back there and we have some writings that tell us that God once suffered. Actually, God walks walks with all of us all the time. Um, is always there. Uh, this is simply the character of God. Where is God when you know when someone is dying of cancer in the ward? God's in the ward. God's mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. God's God's in the person. God's God's part of this. God is suffering alongside us. Uh, a very, you know, a very different view of, the, of, of God than, you know, most of us are open to, actually. We, we seem to think that God is the one who never suffers, the one, the one who is above suffering. 
if the incarnation tells us anything, it's that that is, that is us projecting what we wish God was like. Or, or if I was God, this is what I would be like. That's what, that's what that is. It's projection stuff. But um, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think we even as people have the capacity to imagine a God who suffers alongside us. Um, but this is precisely what is revealed in the person of Jesus. Um, a, a God who enters into our pain rather than is, you know, above and beyond it. If God is incarnate, not just in Christ, but in all of creation. Yes. Yeah. And there's a heck of a lot of suffering of God going on. Yes, there is. Yes, you don't even, is. you won't even, just in that story of Jesus, yeah, yeah there's plenty. Yeah. But if God is incarnate in all of creation and in all people, mm. then there's a heck of a lot of suffering. God understands suffering yeah, and yeah. God suffers daily. And, and what if the hope there is that the suffering God that is in all suffering um, has shown us that the, the path of suffering leads to resurrection? Um, what if what if as soon as we say God is suffering with the world, we're also saying um, it, we're also making a statement about the hope that all things will be resurrected and reconciled and, and reconciled. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all things will be put together again into a perfectly loving relationship. Oh, I, <laughs> you know when you find those embarrassing things when you're cleaning up because you're moving house? <laughs> I found some song lyrics. Oh, I actually yes. wrote the whole song a little while ago. Yep. It's called Song for HD. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and and the, the, the song's not a bad song. It probably needs to be rewritten. But the gist of it was that Humpty Dumpty was on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a big fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But the king could. Ah. And, you, you know, go. just talking about this, this is a God who wants to reconcile yeah. and retell and uh, resurrect. Yeah. Um, this is, this is the God we serve. This is the God that could put Humpty together again. And by the way, it's probably put Humpty together again like Japanese kintsugi art. Yes. Which yes. is when they break apart, but then they use gold leaf. Absolutely. As the glue so that the cracks yep. are visible. Yes. And that's the beauty yes. of, the, of the piece is the cracks being visible. You don't want to hide the cracks. You want the cracks to yeah, be there because yeah. that's what makes it beautiful and valuable. Is the, the, resurrected, the resurrected Christ turning up and showing his scars yes. um, is, is uh, an absolute defence of that, um, that analogy that you've just used. Um, this is the resurrected Christ and, and he can show his scars. Yes. I think, it, I think it's, um, it, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, this is so much you know anything other than than just a demonstration of victory actually it's a demonstration of um a consistent movement from life through death to life again it's um it, it's beautiful that jesus doesn't come you know shining and unharmed um to demonstrate his resurrection i think it's extraordinary so ridiculously hopeful for us Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Another cracker. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good stuff. Another, in... another conversation worth having, I would suggest. <laughs> another conversation well worth having. Again, yeah. uh, the readings are from 2 Kings chapter 5, Psalm 30, Galatians 6, and Luke 10. The references are all in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube just down there or if you're listening, on podcasts, they'll be in the show notes somewhere. Uh, some of them will have links. So if you click on them, it'll take you to the Vanderbilt Revised Common Lectionary online, which is where we are reading from. And you'll be able to read the readings there. Uh, don't forget you can follow uh, Mark's articles over at the barefootfollower.life. Sorry, not the, just barefootfollower.life. That's right. You'll, you'll find my stuff 
if you just put um, the at sign monkindocs, M-O-N-K-I-N-D-O-C-S at Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, don't do too much Twitter. So don't go there. You won't find much. Uh, but certainly on Instagram and Facebook every day, daily reflections go up there. Um, and if you go to the link to our link tree in the show notes, not only will it take you to the places I just talked about, um, but it will also take you to other places where you can get resources for between two Sundays. Very nice. I think that's another all episode. Had, done. Uh, another one done, another one down. Um, and I noticed this is episode 31, 32 now. We're getting close to the end of the year. Well, we are. We started yes. the start of Advent, and there's not yes. long now until we're going to get to 50, 51, 52. Yeah. And it'll be Advent on. So um, that's a little bit exciting. Um, it anyway, is exciting. We'll have to have a, have a party. A cake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cake. An anniversary let's, cake. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll film that bit when you're up here in Brilliant. October. Yeah, September, rather, yeah. and um, we'll get a cupcake and we'll add it to the episode. So if the Perfect. podcast listeners won't know anything, the YouTube Perfect. people will go, that's a totally yeah, different yeah. place, totally different clothing, Yeah, yeah. got a haircut. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> we'll do something to celebrate. Very good. Fun. Awesome. Well, until next week, uh, enjoy. And, oh, please, by the way, uh, on comments, both at Instagram, on the website, wherever you can comment to us, Send us an email at between two number two Sundays at gmail.com. Whatever you want to do, send us notes. Send a, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what you're learning. What stood out to you from the passages? Uh, we want to make this a conversation where we can learn from you as well. So please, uh, we'd love to hear from you about those things. That's it, my friend. We're signing off. So have a good night. Yeah, you too. Cheers. And thanks, folks, for listening. We'll see you next time for another Between Two Sundays. Bye for now. See you all.